and welcome back to Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. I'm Justin. And I'm Josh. How's everything going, man? It's going good. You know, getting ready, uh, trying to get all packed. We're going to Florida this week. We're going to head down to St. George Island for a few days in paradise with just me and Abby and my wife. So it's oh, going to be great. great. Yeah. So you? Is the wife getting many back rubs and foot massagers? Massages? Yes, most likely. Well, she's got to do all the packing. And I, those of you listening, my wife kind of runs my life, as Justin probably knows by now. So Yeah. Um, yeah, So, but we're excited. So she'll get foot rubs because she's packing and doing all the work. I will drive. I'm going to put on a bunch of podcasts and drive. So. Well, good. That's good teamwork. Yeah. Well, we're actually taking a trip, too. We are going out to fabulous Las Vegas. Nice. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. So we're going to see a couple shows. We're going to see the Grand Canyon. We're going to drive back from there, which is maybe a little uh, ambitious, I guess. Is your wife a big road trip fan? Uh, time will tell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just just put on Nerd as a New Cool for 14 straight episodes for her on the I, way back. I bet she'd love that. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure she would. I don't, I don't see why. I mean, I think everyone would love that. Yeah. That's a way to pass the time. Right. Okay. So, well, that's what we'll do. Yeah. I'll tell her you told me to do that. Please do. Then I'm going to get yelled at probably. So Right. <laughs> <laughs> All so, right. Yeah, let's get into what we've been nerding out on lately. Cool. Well, so I had a chance to watch Deadwood the movie. Did you ever see the series? I watched the first season, and I just I just couldn't get past the first season. Yeah. So It's one of those shows that's interesting because it's 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 got some historical accuracy mm-hmm. to it, but they take some liberties with it, which I think I like it a lot because the characters are fantastic. They're just really interesting to listen to. So the movie, they decided to make a movie after three seasons of the show. It came out May 31st this, of this year on HBO. Like I said, it's a, the series actually ran from 2004 to 2006, so it's been quite a long hiatus. It's been 13 years. It was directed by Daniel uh, Minahan, who has done, done tons of stuff, Grey's Anatomy, The Newsroom, True Blood, Game of Thrones, House of Cards, American Crime Story. So he's just all over the place, and it was written by David Milch, who also wrote some pretty iconic shows, NYPD Blue, Hill Street Blues, and he also wrote the original Deadwood hmm. series. So it's got a lot of continuity mm-hmm. through it. It actually takes place 10 years later, which is almost, I mean, it's actually longer since the, the, the series ended. Here's some pretty big stars. This is, uh, this is what makes the show for sure. You got Timothy Elephant, Justified. Great. That might be one of my all-time favorite shows and yeah. favorite characters. Raylan Givens is my maybe my all-time favorite character. He's pretty great. So he plays Seth Bullock, who is a real character in, or a real person in, in, well, just a real person. In Deadwood. Yeah. Well, right. No, no, he existed in the real world. In the, in the real world. Yeah, that's what they called the yeah. town. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. No, I'm saying so did Seth Bullock. He was around. Yeah, I know. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I um, think we're getting our wires crossed here. Yeah, all right. Well, fair enough. Uh, Ian McShane who you probably know him from. He's actually in an episode of Game of Thrones. He's from Pirates of the Caribbean, Kung Fu Panda. He plays Al Swearingen. We got Molly Parker, who plays Alma Ellsworth. She's also she's in House of Guards. She's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, Paula Malcolmson plays Trixie. She's also been in a bunch of stuff. She's actually the mom from Hunger Games. And she plays Allie Earp from Tombstone. Yeah, she's also in Ray Donovan. Oh, yeah, yeah. I show. saw that. Right. Yeah. That's right. I forgot you watched that show. Mm-hmm. We got W. Earl Brown who's from There's Something About Mary as Warren. <laughs> this character is slightly different than mm-hmm, the Warren character. A little bit. He plays Dan. Uh, we've got Kim Dickens, who's from Fear of the Walking Dead. She plays Joni. There's just so many people in this film. I could keep going on. Jeffrey Jones is in it, et cetera, et cetera. So personally, I'm a big fan, and 
if you have a chance to, if you watch the series, I would certainly suggest watching the follow-up film. Is there like 15 billion F-bombs in the movie? And yeah. Yeah. Of course. That was one of the reasons I'm that much for vulgarity. Like, I don't, doesn't bother me as much, but even in that show, it's just hard for me to get past all the vulgarity that takes place in that show. Man, but it, it, that's kind of the whole point of it. It's almost excessive on, I mean, it's very purposeful. Mm-hmm. It just shows the the lack of law that exists yeah. in this town of Deadwood. Definitely. So I've been watching Shooter. You ever seen Shooter, the show? I've, I've seen the movie. The movie, okay. Shooter debuted debuted on 15 November 2016. It was created by John Lavin. It was written by, uh, it's based off a book by a guy named Stephen Hunter. He's got a whole series of Bob Lee Swagger with 10 novels. And like you just said, Mark Wahlberg was in a film with the same name. And it's the same storyline. So the show goes more in depth, but it's the same storyline as the movie. How many seasons are there? There's three. This is the one I'm getting ready to start as a third and final season. Okay. So it was the USA show. It stars Ryan Philippe as Bobby Swagger. He was in Cruel Intentions. I don't know if you remember that movie or not, oh, but oh, yeah. that's a classic He's 90s in lots film. Of yeah. Chantal Van Satan as Julia Swagger. Cynthia Die Robinson as Nadine Memphis. Omar Epps, pretty popular guy, as Isaac Johnson. And Lexi Colker is their daughter, Mary Swagger. So she's a younger person of the show. Isn't Omar Epps in Major League Two? Is he? Yeah, I, he is. I've seen Major League the first one. I don't. I don't normally watch sequels. I'm not no. a big sequel fan, okay, well. or a big you know a big remake fan. Which I won't get on that today because I've already been on that on Facebook. So I won't get on that today. <laughs> right. That's another podcast for another day. Mm-hmm. But uh, thoughts? I think it's a great show. A lot of action and good storytelling. And like I said, I'm on season three, which is the final season right now. So. Check it out if you like action shows. There's only three seasons, so don't count on like having seven or eight seasons to get into. But So if I like the movie, I will enjoy the show. Yes, definitely. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into what we're going to talk about today. This is a, a slight departure from some of the things we generally talk about, but I think that based on some of the things that I've nerded out on recently, it kind of makes sense why we chose this as, a, as our topic. Yeah. So. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some musicals. Yeah, you know I'm a big I'm not as big as you. I don't have season tickets or anything, but I like musicals a lot. I love going and listening to them. So yeah, uh, why do you love musicals? Well, you know a lot of it is growing up with my parents. They took me to my first musical I ever saw was at the Fabulous Fox in St. Louis, and it was Phantom of the Opera. That is an amazing musical yeah, yeah. I, that's that's my first play that i've ever seen or musical i've ever seen i should and, say and I, and I was 10 years old and i just remember i don't know how we got seats you know down on the floor right underneath where the chandelier you know falls mm-hmm. spoiler alert sorry guys but i just fell in love with it and, and from then i've just musicals have always kind of been a part of my life i'm a musical person I like to sing along to things. You gonna sing for us on this podcast? I might. I, I well, you know, maybe do some rapping depending yeah. on what musicals we choose. Okay, but, but yeah. Uh, so that's been a big part. My great grandparents actually used to own the Fabulous Fox in St. Louis. So I'm sitting in like St. Louis royalty. No, right now, because they. Uh, I had nothing to do with it. My mom remembers running around with her her parents and her grandparents running around, kind of in the seats. During uh, you know not while the shows were going on, kind of during the off time, but they unfortunately sold it to the large organization that it is now. And I, I but I still love going to the Fox. Mm-hmm. It's, it's incredible. It's a great venue. And then my wife and I, we like you said, we bought season tickets last year for the first time. We got to see Come From Away. We got to see Les Mis, Love Never Dies, which is the sequel to Phantom. 
it's fine. We got to see Anastasia Fiddler on the Roof, which I'd never seen mm-hmm. at all, and it was fantastic. And then Waitress was great. And this year, I'm super stoked because some of the shows we get to see are Cats, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, The Band's Visit, Dear Evan Hansen. That's probably the one that my wife's most excited about. Wicked, Hello Dolly, and then, of course, Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, what so about you? Why do you like him? Like I said, I got to see Phantom with my grandma a long time ago. And, my, and then another big reason is I really wasn't into musicals until I met my wife. And we started going to the Muni every year and catching a musical. So that just kind of got me into it. Last year we saw Les Mis at the Fox, which is my uh, one of my all-time favorites that we'll talk about a little bit later. But I just I enjoy the songs if there's catchy tunes, and um, especially if it's a history one. So, yeah, I just I like them. I like going with my wife. It's kind of a date night for us that we get to go out and do something. So Yeah, it's a good date night. Yeah, so, for sure. Well, what, what is the definition of a musical? It is, it is a noun. It means a play or movie in which singing and dancing play an essential part. Musicals developed from light opera in the early 20th century. Yeah, and let's get into some of the history. Broadway refers to a location found in the theater district located in Manhattan in New York City. Yeah, and actually for a performance to be considered Broadway, it must be held in any of the 40 professional theaters that have 500 or more seats found in this area. I've always kind of curious like what qualifies mm-hmm. as an off-Broadway or a Broadway yeah. show. So there it is. Yeah. Um, have you been to Broadway? I have not. I've been down there. I've, I've walked on Broadway, but I actually wasn't able to see a show because when we were in New York, we weren't there for long enough to get tickets. Uh, but Sounds yeah. like a bucket list thing. Oh, we're definitely yeah. going to go to a show there at some point. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, attending a production of Broadway theater is a popular tourist activity in New York. The 2018 season numbers were just released in January 2019, and they have achieved an all-time gross, all-time high gross in both ticket sales and admissions. So, yeah, musicals are definitely doing well right now. Yeah. Uh, ticket sales, some of the information surpassed $1.8 billion, and there were over 13.8 million admissions. Yeah, it's a ton of people, and that's up a significant percentage. It's up something like 10% over the last, uh, well, each of the last two years, it's increased by over 10% as far as ticket sales, which is nuts. Nearly 80% of the sales generated were from musicals. The rest are for theatrical plays. Broadway has now consistently broken attendance and ticket sales highs for five years in a row. Yeah, and so the average ticket paid across all shows was $125.70, which, if you think about it for Broadway, that's really not that bad, I don't think, to pay. But uh, 66% of the audience was female, and the average age of a Broadway theater visitor was 40.6 years old. So I think that's about you, right? Like, are you almost there now or yeah, something? Yeah, so, something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know. So. Well, it makes sense that they'd be the average ticket prices would be higher when you've got a higher demographic, a higher yeah. age group, because they can, you know, they got more more income. The origins of Broadway history in New York did not actually begin until ni- until 1750 when Thomas Keene and Walter Murray opened a theater company on Nassau Street. Yeah, and then in 1798 the Park Theater, a uh, 2000-seat theater was built. Right, and so this Park Theater is, per- is is built and after the success of it, the Bowery Theater was built in 1826. And after that more theaters were built particularly as, you know, honestly, as blackface uh, minstrel shows became popular. So a little bit of negative origins there. Yeah, definitely. And I I think probably, even if you're not a a theater fan at all, I think probably everybody has heard of Shakespeare. 
and he was very popular during this time with many of his plays being put in Broadway, being put on in Broadway. Yeah, musicals were first performed in the middle of the century. The Elves was the first ever long-run musical that played in New York as it played for 50 performances. Yeah, and so it's a little bit more history behind that. What can be considered the modern musical with dance and original music did not appear on Broadway until 1866 with the opening of The Black Crook. This musical was five and a half hours long and ran for 474 performances. That's a long time to perform. That's so long. I've seen shows that are three hours long, and I'm like, okay, let's, Mm -hmm. let's wrap it up a little bit. Theater actually moved to Broadway in the middle of the century due to inexpensive real estate prices. And then, you know... Not not that anymore. No. (laughs) No. During the 20th century, the Tony Awards were established in 1947, and these honors, kind of like the Emmy Awards for Broadway, for shows. Right, and there are other Broadway awards. The Drama Desk Awards, the New York Drama Critics Circle Award, the Theater World Awards, and the Obie Awards. A lot of awards. So the Drama Desk Awards are the only award given to Broadway and off-Broadway productions all competing against each other. Right, and the Obie Awards, which we just mentioned, actually covers off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway productions, while the Theater World Awards are given to actors for outstanding debut performances, and the New York Drama Critics Circle Award is the second oldest theater award in the U.S., with the main award for Best Play. A lot of awards, like I said, a lot of trophies yeah. given, Yeah, which is that's, deserved. That's kind of what mm-hmm. people in show business do. They, they make great things, and they award mm-hmm. themselves for it. Yeah, and then uh, the longest-running show is not a surprise. The Phantom of the Opera was 30 record-breaking years. It has more than 12,000 performances and is still playing on Broadway. So as of 2016, it was. Yeah. And then uh, worldwide receipts have surpassed $5.6 billion, and Broadway alone is responsible for over $845 million of that success. Before Phantom, it was Cats was the longest-running show. It closed after 7,485 performances in 2000, and then Les Mis, closing after 6,691 performances in 2003. I'm really excited to see Cats. I know it's kind of a... I don't know. I think it's going to be odd, but I just kind of feel like there's so many different references to it in different shows, even in television and whatever. My wife saw Cats on Broadway. Really? Yeah. Did she like it? She did like it. She got me a cool shirt with a black cat on oh, it. So that's good. Yeah, I, awesome. mean, I like black cats. I have a black cat named Hugh. Yeah, so. I have a black cat too. All right, enough about yeah. enough about cats. Yeah. The longest running straight play is Life with Father that closed after three thousand two hundred and twenty four performances in nineteen forty seven. That's a lot. Yep. Broadway's longest running revival is Chicago, which is currently still performing after opening in nineteen ninety six. And it currently has 6,208 performances. It's actually also the longest-running show to have premiered on Broadway. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm not normally wrong, but we'll see. Um, isn't there a movie about Chicago with Catherine Zeta-Jones and, like, Richard Gere? Yes. Okay. So I'm right. I, I'm normally right, like I said. So, but yeah. Humble as always. I try. The, so. the film is actually great, and it won Best Picture. Interesting. I haven't seen it. Yeah. And I don't but. remember what year. I'm just going to say a year and someone will correct me if that's wrong. I'm pretty sure it was. No. Actually, no. I'm blanking on it now. 2000, 2012. No, it's oh, way, I think no, it's, it's older way than before that. that. Yeah. No, no, it's way before that. 2000 and. Oh, man. We'll I feel have like to. it was right after Lord of the Rings. I'm going to say 2004. Okay. 
We'll have to look that up we'll a little bit later. That. Yeah. Sorry, uh, and good. all that jazz is in that, right? All that jazz. Exactly. Oh, there, oh, there's our first uh, breaking out in the song. Uh, well, there we go. Won't be the last, probably. Yeah. So let's look into some of the commercial success for some of these uh, shows. Well, we got to mention Hamilton. It has made $130 million. It first debuted in Off-Broadway. Well, so far. It first debuted in Off-Broadway in February 2015 before moving to Broadway in August 2015. In 2017, it was just dominated basically because of the sky-high average ticket prices. So the ticket prices are around $300 a piece. With premium seats averaging $849, non-premium seats $199. And there was a huge issue with Hamilton this is really, honestly, the secondary market for ticket sales. People would get on there and they would buy crazy whatever tickets they could and resell them for just astronomical wow. prices. That's crazy. Like, this is the average for ticket prices when you're buying them from the box mm-hmm. office. Guarantee you that average ticket prices are three to four times that Jeez. from the secondary mm-hmm. market. And that's usually how you can get them. Yeah. And then, you know, we've got to talk about Lion King, my all time, one of my all time favorite movies. Uh, $105 million it's made. 90-plus million audience members worldwide and the proud winner of over 70 major theater awards internationally. It is now showing in 24 global productions and third longest-running show on Broadway ever. They also, you know, just did a terrible remake that comes out this week. You so, haven't seen it yet, so you can't... It's terrible. You it's, have not seen it yet. I've seen the... I won't see it. I refuse to see that movie. So, um, again, I'm getting on a tangent, but... Uh, it's terrible. I've watched the trailer. I can tell you it's going to be bad. The tra- All right. Yes. Okay, let's move on. Wicked is another one we should mention. It's made $91 million, over 6,500 performances, and is the ninth longest-running Broadway show surpassing Beauty and the Beast. And if you don't know what it's about, it is based on The Wizard of the Oz. It's it's basically um, the, the Wizard of Oz. It's basically a prequel. Oh, okay. The Witches, uh, right? Uh, Alphaba. Yeah. Yeah, The Witches. Aladdin has made $81 million. It's based on the 1992 Disney animated film with the same name. It premiered on Broadway on March 20th, 2014, and has already received many Tony Award nominations. I have to admit, I've seen the Aladdin musical. Have you seen it? That's great. Yeah. I just thought it was very kiddie, very geared towards kids. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, I like the, the film way, way more, mm-hmm. but I did think the scene where they're, they're doing a whole new world and the magic carpet is flying and then the whole background scenes are changing. That was I thought pretty that cool. was very well mm-hmm. done. Yeah. So sorry if you're going to go see it and you were going to be surprised by that, but you still will love it. It's fantastic. I got to mention one I just saw last year that I just loved. It's called the book of Mormon. You would hate this. You're D- a pagan. Don't see saying. book of Mormon, yes. Josh, but everyone else should see it. And it's a, it's a religious satire that debuted in March, t- 2011. It was written by the South park writers, Trey Parker and Matt stone. It actually won nine Tony Awards, including Best Musical, as well as a Grammy for Best Musical Album. It is freaking hilarious. Yeah, I don't think I would like it, most I, likely, I, I, just yeah. from what I've read about it. So, well, it, I mean, it's mocking Mormonism. So, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but it, actually, it's, it's more mocking just organized religion. Mm-hmm. But there, there's, a, there's a lot of pretty great stuff to it. So let's look at our honorable mentions. For me, West Side Story, Hello, Dolly. The Little Mermaid and Christmas Story are some of my favorite other plays, as well as a big fan of the opera fan. Yeah, I mean, and I've already kind of mentioned the ones mm-hmm. that I'm most keen to: Phantom, Mormon, Chicago, Lion King. Should also mention Come From Away, which was amazing. Have you seen that? I have not. So, it, uh, real quick synopsis: It's basically about 
a series of planes that were diverted from New York in nine eleven during you know oh, 9/11. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I found this. And it was pretty amazing. So I definitely think you should check that out um, if you have a chance mm-hmm. to see it. So anyway. Okay. On to the musicals we're going to talk about now. Let's get into our first musical, and our first musical that, that I picked is Les Miserables. I probably butchered the French, most likely. I thought it was just Les Miserables. Is that how you say it? I, I, you know me and the French. We don't really get along, so I, I, you know, I don't know. But yeah. Okay. it was based on a book by Victor Hugo in 1862. Hugo was very pro-revolutionary, so like in his book, he was even criticized for this at the time, that in his book, he just makes his revolutionaries out to be so like angels, and like Javert is so bad. He got a lot of criticism because that's not really what it was like, but he was portraying his side of the story and making them out to be heroes. It is a sung-through musical. The people who wrote the musical are Claude Michel Schoenberg, Elaine Bouvillie, and Jean-Marc Nattel were the original French lyrics, and Herbert Kretzmer was the English lyrics. Yeah, and the original French uh, musical began in 1980. It's been running in London since October 1985, making it the second longest-running off-Broadway show after The Fantastics. It premiered on Broadway in 1987. It ran for over 15 years, then returned in 2006 and 2014. Yeah, and so just the story. It's the story of Jean Valjean, who is a French peasant, and he a present peasant, and he wanted to be redempted. That's not a word. He wanted to be redeemed after spending 19 years in prison for stealing a loaf of bread. He's released. He breaks his parole and starts a new life after a bishop shows him an incredible act of mercy. All the while, this guy named Javert is a police inspector, and his story is drawn into revolutionary events. This is a big caveat for me. If you are talking musicals with me and you're talking Les Mis, it is not the French Revolution, not the 1789 French Revolution. It is the 1830s French Revolution. 1832 is the year of the revolution that they are talking about is is being done. So right, yeah. I just that's a frustration of mine as a history teacher. You know, vein bulging out of your neck. So, well, some of the main characters are, as we've mentioned, Jean Valjean. Javert, Marius, Fantine, and Cosette. Yeah, and then so some of the more famous songs. Do you, you hear, hear the people sing? Singing the song. Oh, we're yeah, going to stop there. Okay. We're stopping there. Okay, never mind. I Dreamed a Dream of Times Gone By, The Red and Black, and then probably my favorite, my favorite. <laughs> I was about to sing, so that's why okay, I threw him yeah. I was going to say Red. The Song of a Blood of Angry Men. Black. The talk of ages past. You got it. Yes. <laughs> so you, people are going to quit listening to our podcast Why? with our singing. I so. think they're going to want more. That's probably true. Probably my whole favorite scene is the confrontation. I love that where Javert and Valjean kind of face off. So that's probably my favorite scene other than maybe uh, do you hear the people sing. I so. like red and black. Mm-hmm. I just li- I like the, the re- young revolutionaries kind of getting jazzed mm-hmm. up. They got the flags going. Yep. I wish it was a longer song, quite honestly. Yeah. Nerd facts. Let's talk about some nerd facts. There's a lot of them. The London production was co-directed by John Caird and Trevor Nunn, and the English lyrics were by Herbert Kretzmer, who at the time was TV was a TV critic for the Daily Mail. Yeah, that didn't stop the Mail on Sundays. Kenneth here, and so he works with him, writing in his 1985 review, 
Watching it is rather like eating an artichoke. You have to go through an awful lot to get a very little. So he doesn't have much love for his coworker. Yeah, uh, and, and people have actually said they're, they they don't like it because it is kind of I don't know. There's just a lot going on. And mm-hmm. I don't know if they're confused or I don't know. I, I I'm a big fan of. I like all these different storylines that are kind of intertwined or in, you know weaving amongst one another. In fact, uh, Michael Ball, who played M- uh, Marius, actually told the BBC since this has come out, he he says, "quote." We thought we'd be looking for new jobs after the first night. Yeah. And that would be a lot of jobs because there's approximately 101 cast and crew members directly involved in every single performance. Yeah, that's a lot, that's a lot of jobs. Yeah. On January 22nd, 2010, the show celebrated its 10,000th performance in London. That's a lot. That is so many. Yes, that is a lot. Productions have been played in 42 countries, including Iceland, New Zealand, Bermuda, the Philippines, Mauritius, China, Mexico, the Channel Islands, and the Dominican Republic. Yeah, and it's actually been translated into 27 different languages. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I, just, I put this in there again because I want people to know it is not set during the French Revolution of 1789. The action begins in 1815 and then follows events over the next two decades, including the Paris Uprising of 1832. So again, people, not the French Revolution. So you guys heard it here. It's the French Revolution, part two. That's what you can just call it. That part three, technically. Part three. Yeah. The French had a lot of revolutions. <laughs> the trilogy the yes. of the revolutions yes. of French. Les Mis is the third longest running show in Broadway history after Phantom of the Opera and Cats, which we already kind of mentioned, mm-hmm. but we should reiterate that it's been, it's been around for a long time. Yeah, then how about this? The biggest single live audience for Les Mis to date was 125,000 people at the eight, 1989 Australia Day concert in Sydney. Yeah, well, I'm sure it has to do with, like, the size of the venue, yeah. too. But that's a, those are lots a lot of people mm-hmm. watching that show. That's like going to the big house yeah. in Michigan or, or mm-hmm. you know, wherever else, giant stadiums. In 2009, Susan Boyle sang Les Mis song, the, the Les Mis song, I Dreamed a Dream, on TV shows, or on, the, on Britain's Got Talent, the TV show, and actually became one of the most watched videos on YouTube. You ever watched that video? I have watched it. Yeah, like Simon, everybody's smirking at her, and then she just comes out and is like, mic drop, amazing just, singer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Let's look at some of the accuracy. So Jean-Maximilien Lamarck, who was born in 1770, died in 1832, was a French commander during the Napoleonic Wars who later became a member of the French Parliament. As an opponent of the Ancien Regime, he is known for his acts of suppression of royalist and legitimist activity. His death was also the catalyst of the Parisian June Rebellion of 1832, which formed the basis for the uprising depicted in Les Mis. So that is in the play. You see them getting very upset about Lamarck dying. That really happened. So that's a very right. accurate. Yeah, and interesting enough, the writers actually focused more on the romantic aspects of Hugo's writing and really didn't get into as much as the themes of failed republicanism religion and really the suffering of the poor it kind of got a lot of feeling of it but it really was not at the forefront and in their defense i I failed to mention this earlier the book is maybe the longest book ever written at 1400 pages so maybe they didn't want to comb through 1400 pages yeah yeah and then so in the book while it seems like hugo was a fan of the church in the musical because of the bishop he was actually anti-organized religion and believed the state used it for wrong purposes so Fantine does send her daughter off to live with someone else, and that's pretty accurate. That was actually a common strategy during the time period. If you couldn't afford it, you send him off. You kind of you sent him money every once in a while when you could. 
Yeah. And then all the main characters, other than Lamarck, who's not even in the play, he just mentioned, are not real people. Valjean, right. Fantine, none of them are, are real people. They're just based on probably people at the time. It was a, a novel. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a period piece. Yeah. We should mention in other media, there have actually been over 50 films adapting the book, Les Mis. So, and then the musical itself was depicted in a 2012 movie of the same name. Honestly, the, the, I saw the movie before I saw the play, and that's what got me into the musical. So, mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman is Jean Valjean, Russell Crowe is Javert, Anne Hathaway is Fantine, Eddie Redmayne is Marius, Helena Bonham Carter and Sasha Baron Cohen are the Thenardiers, and Amanda Seyfried is Cassette. You seen the movie? Yeah, I thought I mm-hmm. thought it was great. Yeah, I love the movie. Yeah, I, I like the show a lot too. I'm mm-hmm. not really sure which one I I enjoy more. Honestly, mm-hmm. I should mention there's another kind of pop culture reference: Carpool Karaoke with James Corden. Mm-hmm. There are there are quite a few musically talented people singing. Uh, what song is it? Actually, I can't remember what song it is. It's one of the ones you mentioned earlier. Uh, do you hear the people sing? Mm-hmm. The kind of back and forth. Yeah. Anyway, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, and then there's just another really famous video. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris and Jason Siegel gained popularity by singing The Confrontation on a talk show. I believe it was Ellen that they sang it on. Hmm. So it's pretty funny. Yeah. So, yeah, it's and, – and you know what? I don't even know if it's do you hear the people sing that they sing they sing, mm-hmm. they sing in the carpool karaoke. But either way, check it out. Cool. So let's get into our second and last musical, which is I – mean, we've got to talk about Hamilton. Yeah. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. First of all, give you some general info. It's it's sung and rapped through music. Like basically, it's a musical that is sung and rapped, and it, there is zero pause for conversation or for you know. There's no speaking that isn't in song or rap, which is just amazing. And it's inspired. It's about the American founding father Alexander Hamilton, and it's the music, lyrics, and book are by Lin Manuel Miranda. Uh, it was actually inspired by the 2004 biography Alexander Hamilton by historian. Ron Chernow, and yeah, so another really cool thing about it is it's very color conscious, so it's casting of non-white actors as the founding fathers and other historical figures. Interesting. So the musical made its off-Broadway debut at the Public Theater in February 2015, where its engagement was sold out. The show transferred to Broadway in August 2015 at the Richard Rogers Theaters. The play has two acts telling Hamilton's story through major events in his life and in American history. Right, the first act is basically the the Revolutionary War, and then Act Two is post Revolutionary War. Interesting. There are a lot of characters that exist, and actually, what's really cool about this this the musical is that the same actor or actresses, actually the actors, play multiple characters. So, for example, David Diggs plays Lafayette and also Thomas Jefferson. Leslie Odom Jr. just plays Aaron Burr throughout, but because he's the same character throughout. Uh, Anthony Ramos plays. John Lawrence and also Philip Hamilton. We've got, uh, I'm going to butcher this name and I par- apologize, Okirieti Anuadoan. I think that was a pretty good job. Yeah, well, it was, all, it was all okay, I guess. He plays Hercules Mulligan and James Madison. Uh, Philippa Sue plays um, Eliza Hamilton. We've got Renee Elise Goldsberry plays Angelica Schuyler. Christopher Jackson plays George Washington. 
And then we had multiple King Georges. Brian D'Arcy James was off-Broadway, and Jonathan Groff was on-Broadway. So Lin-Manuel Miranda's not in it. Oh, oh, he's Hamilton. Oh, he's Hamilton. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even mention yeah, that. Yes. didn't mention him. Okay. Lin-Manuel Miranda is Hamilton. not only wrote the music and the lyrics, but he's also he also plays Hamilton. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Pretty important yeah. character. So let's get into some nerd facts, okay? The Hamilton's off-Broadway engagement at the Public Theater was sold out, and when the musical opened on Broadway, it had a multi-million dollar advance in ticket sales, reportedly taking in $30 million before its official opening. Yeah, and it set a Broadway boss box office record for the most money grossed in a single weekend in New York City. This is late November 2016. It grossed $3.3 million for an eight-week, or for an eight-performance week. Wow. It's the first show to break $3 million in eight performances. Freaking nuts. Yeah. So in 2016, Hamilton received a record-setting 16 Tony nominations. It won 11, including Best Musical, and was also the recipient of the 2016 Grammy Award for Best Musical Theater Album and the 2016 Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Yeah, it, it won a, a seven out of the – well, here's a bunch of awards. Let me just rattle them off real quick. As far as the Drama Desk Awards, out of 14 total nominations, it won best. It won seven of those. And if we can talk about actual – actual uh, tony awards it won best musical best book of a musical best original score best actor by leslie odom jr best featured actor david diggs best featured actress renee elise goldsberry best costume design paul taserberg or Tazewell. best lighting design howell binkley best director of a musical thomas cahill best choreography andy blinkenbuehler and best orchestrations alex lacamore just just told i mean just killed it mm-hmm yeah, and so uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda says that the portrayal of Jefferson and Hamilton in Washington by non-white actors should not require any disbelief by audience members. He said, it looks like America looks now. That's what his cast looks like. It lets you get into the story and not worry about certain negative aspects of our founding fathers. He's noted, we're telling the story of old, dead white men, but we're using actors of color, and that makes the story more immediate and more accessible to the contemporary audience. Yeah, so interesting enough, like kind of if we're talking Lin-Manuel Miranda's inspiration. So he had a show called In the Heights that actually won four Tony Awards in 2008. So he's taking a vacation. He picks up this biography, Alexander Hamilton, by um, Ron Chernow, and he just is kind of browsing through it. He gets to where the hurricane destroys St. Croix. Hamilton's living. He's you know He's got a poem about carnage, and, and, and basically the whole part is – Hamilton's saying, man, I wish there was a war so I could prove, like, basically how, how B.A. I am. And Miranda just thought to himself and has said since, it doesn't get more hip-hop than that comment, right? Yeah. And so as a result, basically, he said, okay, I'm going to make this Alexander Hamilton hip-hop musical that he thought someone had already started, no one had, so he started working on it. Kind of a cool story. Cool. Yeah, and then Ron Chernow became a historical consultant for the show. He looked at every draft and every song and assessed everything for accuracy, and it took Manuel Miranda a year to write Alexander Hamilton and another year to write My Shot. Yeah, and there are a lot of songs that are, of course, I mean, has its roots in rap and is inspired by a lot of different artists. My Shot has some elements of, of Mob Deep. We've got, uh, what is it, the Ten Dual Commandments breaks down or has references Notorious B.I.G., got the cabinet battle does a little bit of jay-z reference i mean just we could keep going on and on there's just so many amazing references to incredible artists yep yeah and at first miranda couldn't decide if he wanted to play hamilton or burr 
He also cut George Washington's death from the show. It was initially in the show, but Miranda Cuddy said, oof, I wrote that. It was brutal. So, Yeah, and a lot of celebrities come backstage, and when they do, they actually sign a life-size cutout of Hamilton. At least they did when this was on Broadway mm-hmm. and all the original cast was there. I'm not sure if they still do it, but they might. Okay, and the stars of the show helped to raise money for the orphanage Eliza Hamilton started. Let's get into the accuracy of the show. Yeah, yeah, and there there are... There are some inaccuracies throughout this musical. Josh, I'm sure you'd be watching this, be a little little angry about it, but yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's pretty cool. You have to so, spend belief a little bit. You do yeah. a little bit, and, and, and the whole storyline is obviously accurate. Mm-hmm. But maybe the the order at which these things happen, they they take a little. He takes a little bit of liberty, um, just to make it more interesting or whatever you want to call it. So again, Hamilton's based on historical events and people. But for example, Angelica had a had a strong relationship with Hamilton, but. It's kind of exaggerated in the show. In fact, it's kind of alluded to that they had a romantic relationship and she was kind of obsessed with him, but we're not really sure that's the case. That hasn't been proven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so Aaron Burr's role in Hamilton's life is overstated, and much of the earlier interactions between the two men in the show are fictionalized. For example, while Burr was president at the Battle of Monmouth, he did not serve as Charles Lee's second-in-command and his duel with John Lawrence is seen as the Ten Dual Commandments. His second was Evan Edwards. Hmm. Hamilton also never approached Burr to help write the Federalist Papers as portrayed in nonstop, which is kind of a storyline mm-hmm. where he's almost like, Burr, help me out, man. And, and Burr, of course, is played like this consummate weasel throughout, mm-hmm. throughout the musical. That, that part didn't happen. Yeah. Martha Washington named her feral tomcat after him, being Hamilton, to which Alexander Hamilton replies, that's true. In fact, it is false. The idea of Hamilton as a serial adulterer has been one of the biggest mischaracterizations of the real Alexander Hamilton for two centuries. Yeah, so he wasn't quite the player, but he's made out to be. It is true that John Adams and Hamilton didn't really get along with each other. That is clearly conveyed. But in the musical, John Adams fires Hamilton. But in real life, Hamilton actually tenured his resignation uh, from the position of Secretary of Treasury two years before Adams even became president. Yeah, and in the show, Jefferson, Madison, and Burr approach Hamilton about his affair. They did not do that in real life. It was actually Monroe, James Monroe, Frederick Muhlenberg, and Abraham Venable in December 1792. So, yeah, I mean, just very small inaccuracies, right. switching things around. But so. it's, a lot of it's for dramatic purposes. Yeah. So, for example, here's another one. Uh, Philip Hamilton, who is Alexander Hamilton's one of his sons... In fact, it's kind of implied or alluded to that it's his only son. He says, I want a little brother. I've already got a little sister in the, in the song Take a Break. Philip already had two younger brothers at the time, Alexander Hamilton Jr. and James Alexander. So that's, that's kind of a – it's starting to – it's trying to, like, you know, make you feel a lot of sympathy for later on what happens to Philip because hmm. he's his, maybe his only son and mm-hmm. his only way to pass on his genes, right, or whatever it might be, the, the male heir type thing. Not accurate. Yeah. So then the song Blow Us All Away, George Eaker and Philip engage in a duel before the events of the 1800 presidential election. The duel actually occurred in 1801 with Philip Hamilton dying on November 24th. In the song, Eaker fires on Philip at the count of seven. While what happened in real life was quite the opposite, both men refused to fire for over a minute before Eaker shot Philip in the hips. Yeah. This is kind of the biggest one, I think. It was actually not so in the, in the musical. It's the presidential election of 1800 that leads Burr to challenge Hamilton to a duel. 
But that actually didn't happen like that. Burr became Jefferson's vice president. And when Jefferson decided not to run with Burr in 1904, or I'm sorry, 1804, Burr instead ran for the governor of New York. He lost, and a letter was later published in the Albany Register basically saying that, or claiming that Hamilton called Burr a, quote, a dangerous man and one who ought not be trusted with the reins of government, and that he knew of, quote, a still more despicable opinion which General Hamilton has expressed of Mr. Burr. So that is what really pretty much mm-hmm. pissed off Burr, and he says, I'm going to challenge you. And there's a great song about the challenge. It's the, Your Obedient Servant. It's probably my favorite song, but didn't quite go down yeah. the way it... I mean, imagine if Joe Biden challenged somebody with, to a duel and killed them. That's basically what it was. Yeah. In fact, I mean, the vice president challenges somebody to a duel and kills them. So... And what's interesting is duels were not legal then. No, they were illegal. Yeah. That is correct. He didn't get any punishment, though. Burr did not get any now, punishment. He was later on, well, he was forced to, he was exiled to England, I believe, mm-hmm. for some other yeah. trans, transgressions yeah. with his daughter. There's a whole thing. If you want to read about Aaron Burr, it's yeah. incredibly interesting. The rabbit guy, hole. You can go down. That guy, yeah. Uh, let's look at other media. So on April 12, 2016, Miranda and Jeremy MacArthur's book, Hamilton, the Revolution, was released detailing Hamilton's journey from an idea to a successful Broadway musical. It includes an inside look at not only Alexander Hamilton's revolution, but the cultural revolution that permeates the show. It also has footnotes from Miranda and stories from behind the scenes of the show. Yeah, and the New York Film Festival, or at the New York Film Festival, on October 1st, 2016, a PBS documentary called Hamilton's America debuted. And basically it delves into the creation of the show and talks about Miranda's process and how he basically, you know, kind of absorbed and, and got himself into Hamilton's character and just kind of the, the story, the, the epic storytelling of this, you know, pretty mm-hmm. groundbreaking musical. Yeah, then Hamilton, the ex- exhibition, is an interactive museum which will focus on the history concerning the life of Alexander Hamilton and also the musical. It debuted in Chicago in April 2019, so that would be a fun place to go look at. Yeah, it's pretty expensive, though, to go walk around. I, we checked it out last time mm-hmm. we were going to go there. Some other adaptations that have kind of been discussed, they have talked about turning this into a film, much like they did with Chicago and mm-hmm. Les Mis, but something I read lately is that they're going to hold off on that for a while because they plan on actually releasing the original musical that apparently Lin-Manuel Miranda had filmed with the in, you know entire on-Broadway original cast. Oh, so they'll cool. release that mm-hmm. as like, a, here's the actual show, mm-hmm. but... Now we'll readapt it, whatever it is, into actual film. Yeah. You know, Phantom of the App, mm-hmm. they did that with, with Gerard Butler as well with Phantom. So, you know, I, I get it. Make more money. Yeah. Different versions. For sure. I'd like to see the original with with, with Jonathan Groff and mm-hmm. Miranda and Leslie Odom Jr. and David Diggs, the whole gang. I mean, I, I listened to that musical probably more than I should. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. it. So why do you – what are your overall thoughts? Why do you like it? I just think it's so groundbreaking. I think that the fact that it was – I love the fact that it tells an entire story and there's no breaks for dialogue. The dialogue is all in song. It's all in rap and R&B. And that's another part about it. It's such a unique take on musicals just to have this R&B and rap influence, you know, a, a, a style, a culture that is rarely represented mm-hmm. in musical form, I think is just incredible. And also I think that's the, the, I don't know, the casting that he was able to do and really, thinking about color and how it's represented in musicals 
and the thought of having you know people with color people of color representing all these old white guys that basically founded our country mm-hmm. it's kind of risky right yeah and, and i think they just pull it off so well i just can't say enough good things about it cool yeah, all right. yeah. you haven't seen it yet so you, you need to yeah all right, right, so let's get into nerd outreach here. Line yeah. it up. And yeah, we're, yeah, we're done. That's, yeah. That one went pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, so thank yous. Thank our fans out there. I have to thank Clayton High School again for letting us use their facilities. And as always, thanks to my wife and daughter for letting me come up here and do this. Thank, thanks to both of you for letting him come up and do this. Yeah. Very nice of you. Future su- show suggestions, as always, send them into nerdisthenewcoolpodcast at gmail.com. Or tag us on any of the socials. Hashtag nerd is the new cool podcast. Yeah, and those socials, you can like or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at nerd is a new cool podcast. Follow us on Twitter at nerd is a new CO2. And listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Just search nerd is a new cool podcast. All right. Well, hopefully you enjoyed our musical conversation and some of the songs we sang. Maybe we'll sing more for you in the future. Hopefully. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, everyone. Bye-bye.